Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning, Ian. Welcome to the Women Lead Radio. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. Very happy and honored to be joining you today. Oh, my gosh, Ian. Well, good morning and all of that, and welcome to Women Lead Radio. We're going to be discussing today, you know, being savvy about philanthropy and that you are the CEO of Savvy Philanthropy. Um, I love what you do. You have been so wonderfully beneficial to Connected Women of Influence and our mission and our passion and our purpose to see more women thrive and lead the way in business. But the first thing I want to start out about so all of our listeners can hear is you were recognized last fall as our Catalyst for Change Award recipient for the National Women of Influence Awards. I'm just, you know, in your opinion, I know I'm throwing here, you know, a question to you, but, like, what does it mean to you to be a Catalyst for Change? Because you were recognized as one. <laughs> Oh, well, yes, thank you. That Well, that was very, very nice to get that recognition. But basically, you know, change, you know, change, can, change can be good, change can be bad, but obviously we're all trying to make change as positive as possible. And I think we would all agree that uh, we need change because things aren't as good as we think they can be in so many areas. And in order to improve things, by definition, we have to have change. So if we can all work towards that, then there's a better chance that the outcome will end up being, you know, much better than the status quo. I love that. And you you have done so much good. I still remember the first time you and I met, and you were kind of sharing your passion about, you know, children um, and women and trying to, you know, support those generations and population. And I'm, if you don't mind sharing, because I would love for, our listeners to hear. It's like you have been such a champion of children. You know, I know all over, but specifically in the San Diego, California area. Can you just talk about what was what was that tipping point for you to think that I really can do a lot of good and focus on philanthropy to kind of change lives and be that catalyst for change? Because you you're doing that over and over and over again. I just want our listeners to know what was what was the spark for you or the tipping point that said sure. I need to do this and take action. Well, about, about 20 years ago, I decided that uh, instead of just responding to requests from friends and colleagues for philanthropic effort, that I wanted to be more systematic about it uh, because I thought if I was more systematic, then I would have a bigger impact. And so I took about six months to research different avenues of philanthropy, talked to a lot of my friends and colleagues and business associates, about what they were doing in those areas. And my conclusion was that I, that what moved me and touched me the most was women and children because they were the most vulnerable 
um, and also, especially with children, had the most time and opportunity to turn their lives around. And so that, so from that moment on, I focused just on women and children and have just stayed that way for, you know, over 20 years. Wow. Wow. I, I think it's great that you talk to other people because, you know, I find so many people will say, I want to help. I want to do good. You know, I want to give back. I mean, what would be some suggestions you would make now that you've done it for 20 years? I mean, you, you put your money where your mouth is. It's like, I know you do good deeds, your action. I mean, you're just all of these things you shared with me, but what would be maybe a couple of first steps you might share with others, you know, if they're thinking of starting to do a give back program or be more philanthropic and changing lives and being a catalyst for change. Any thoughts? Right. Yeah. Well, like you, like you just suggested, the, the, the best thing to do first is to talk to other people that have already done that in their lives because they've already learned so much about the process. And, you know, like with everything, some, some of, the, of the charities and other organizations are quite bureaucratic uh, and too top-heavy. And at least from my point of view, you know, you don't want to waste your money and have it go to bureaucracy or overhead. You know, for me, it was going to be mm-hmm. very important that as, as much of every dollar go to the actual recipients of the cause as possible. So I would encourage anyone that really wants to become more philanthropic to talk to people that they know that have already been doing it so they don't sort of have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. And, and then the other yeah. thing that I found was very, very, very helpful was to go visit the organizations themselves, especially now that COVID, you know, is a little bit less of a concern. Go to their, go to their offices, go to their headquarters, meet, meet with their uh, executive team, go to their facilities where they're actually helping people and see how it is, see how it feels. Um, and, and what we'll eventually find is that one or two or more organizations will resonate with you in terms of the people, the attitude, the culture, what they're doing. And that's why I ended up focusing mostly, as far as children are concerned, on uh, Promises to Kids and Voices for Children, which are, were the two organizations that help kids and who are victims of child abuse and kids that are in the foster system, because I felt those were the most vulnerable segments within the the children area. But everyone's going to react differently based upon their research. Right. And I'm just jumping in on those two different nonprofits. It's like, what was it? I mean, if you don't mind kind of sharing about one and the other just separately, like what was it that, that, you know, there's always like that emotional appeal. I'm just really curious with those two nonprofits singularly, what, what got you, what, what got you to say, Oh my gosh, I can, I can really help here. There had to be something emotional that caught you besides just oh, yes. what the nonprofit does. Yes, definitely. Well, it was really a combination of things. One was that they, at the time, which was like 20 years ago, like I said, they were uh, from a financial and board structure point of view, not doing well. So they, they really needed help. They needed mm-hmm. a bunch of different things to be restructured and changed Um and so there was a very obvious need uh, for help. Um, so that was a big part of it. And then the other part was just seeing that these children, you know, were in, in also in such need, you know, like, you know, child abuse and the foster system are two areas that are just, you know, so sad and so tragic and so avoidable. 
um, yeah. and that these organizations, when they when they reach the kids, you know, have an incredible impact on the children's lives right away, and in in terms of their long term lives as well. And so that was very very compelling. So both the financial and structural need, and just the the groups that they were helping just made it, you know, very, very, very compelling. Do you go visit the nonprofits and look at their results? Like, have you gone back to these oh, yes. children's nonprofits? Yeah, yeah? so you're involved with them. Yeah? Yeah, all the time, because that's have the you... only way you really, you know, I mean, you can sit in a board meeting and, re- and read the statistics, and that's important too, right? But but there's nothing like actually going to the facility or the locations where they're active and seeing the impact that you're having on the children's lives or the women's lives, or, you know, or whatever group you're trying to help. You have to go to the ground, the sort of the grassroots level to really see what's going on. I love that. I love that. Um, this, this is cool. I do want our listeners to know we're going to take a quick sponsor break here in just a minute, but you know, tell, I don't, I, you know, we don't talk about this too much on our shows, but it's like what, you know, your background is in money and finance and all that. Can you share a little bit about your background and, and that people might be saying, wow, it's like how does this make sense with a man in the money business get into, you know, being philanthropic? But I think it makes sense. But why don't you share a little bit about your background? Sure. And, you know, again, it's like why, why get into nonprofits? But... Sure. Uh, well, yeah, no, I think it does make sense um, uh, yeah. in that, you know, I, I've, I've, I always had a very strong interest in the financial markets and in finance, and so it was very natural for me to go into that. You know, I started buying stocks when I was 13 and, you know, with whatever money I had, and, and it sort of grew from there. And I went to business school to get an MBA, you know, to, to learn more, and then I basically worked for a big bank, and then I worked for investment banks. And and then was in the, the, the private client wealth management area for, you know, 35 years, 17 of it with big firms and then the rest and since then on my with my own firms. And then the thing was, you know, I was lucky enough to be in the industry in the 90s, you know, when things were very, very good, unprecedentedly good. And so I was able to create a certain amount of financial independence, which then made me feel like, okay, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to get to this stage you know, I'd like to figure out a way to have a more meaningful uh, activity, you know, because helping wealthy is necessary, but it's not necessarily what I wanted my life's work to be. And so that's when I started thinking, okay, now that I've had that good fortune, uh, let's, let's give back and let's make a difference and improve people's lives and make my activity and my work more meaningful. So in many ways, I, I always say that philanthropy is is a selfish gesture because it actually makes the person doing it feel better. But at the same time, it's also the right thing to do and a great thing to do. So as selfish gestures go, it's a good selfish gesture. But it is, you know, it does make <laughs> you feel good when you do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, you're changing lives. I mean, that's the whole point of... Even for us, when right. we brought out the Catalyst for Change Award, you know, and then we'll talk a little bit more about that, but hang with me. We're going to take a quick sponsor break here for one of our sponsors. Okay. Um, Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, 
achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the U.S. and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all of our sponsors and our partners. And that leads me to, Ian, I want to thank you for being a sponsor to Connected Women of Influence. And I, I want to talk now and flip over to Savvy, the organization I know that you got Connected Women of Influence excited about. But can you give a little bit of an overview about Savvy? And this is S-A-V-I-I. Um, not like you would think it's normally spelled, but Ian, what is Savvy, and why did you get excited and involved with Savvy? Actually, just to correct you, it's S-A-double-D as in Victor I. It's S-A-V-V-I. Oh, I'm so sorry, S-A-V-V-I. You're right. It is mis- I apologize. You are correct, sir. No problem. No problem at all. Yeah, and, and basically uh, why I got uh, affiliated with Savvy is that uh, in our in our society now, uh, men, excuse me, women, and then soon to be a men's line as well. Women are wearing, you know, athletic leisure clothing, you know, a great deal of the time, and it's a very, very fast-growing area of clothing. And I saw it as an opportunity to help women uh, uh, become self-sufficient and independent and empower themselves and create recurring revenue in an entrepreneurial way. And so um, what I decided to do was to help women who wanted to start a business like that. It's all online, so it's, you know, it's very flexible. You can work it one hour a day, two hours a day, or ten hours a day, whatever you want, whenever you want. And so it has tremendous flexibility, especially for women that have children and we're at home. You, know, you can do it when you're at home. You can do it virtually any way. And so what I decided to do is I set up a program where I would finance um, the startup costs, basically, because in order to start this business, you have to buy a bunch of clothes and then show it to friends and show it to stores or you know, yoga studios or yoga teachers or fitness instructors or whoever might be specially exposed to a lot of people that could buy the clothes. And it's expensive. You know, it's, it's not quite as expensive as Lulu, but it's expensive. So each piece is anywhere from 40 to $70. So in order to build up any kind of inventory to start the business to show people, you know, you got to spend at least 500 to a thousand dollars. And a lot of people don't have that. And so my idea was to finance that for the women that wanted to start their own business. And it's, you know, it's been very, very well received and very successful. And many, you know, thousands of women have been able to start a business and create some revenue for themselves, recurring revenue. Uh, because the great thing about it is the clothes are magnificent and great, and so they sell themselves. And so basically the way to start the business is you, the women wear some of the clothes out and about, whether it's to a yoga class or to the supermarket. And people come up to them and say, oh, wow, that's such a cute outfit. Where would you get it? And then they say, oh, well, here, I can, I can tell you how to get it, and that's how your business starts to grow. And then, of course, if you want to become <laughs> a little bit more aggressive, you can go to yoga studios, give it to yoga teachers or fitness instructors and and grow it that way. And then as people buy more and more and more, these women get a commission and they grow a business. And some have been, you know, very, very successful. Some are just making, you know, a thousand or two thousand a month, but that you know, that can help pay rent, you know. And so Right. It's a very flexible, well, very then, entrepreneurial way to, to create some additional income. And for you, like how how much are you involved with some of the women that get involved in savvy? Like the women that are under because, it, 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 again, it's a direct sales organization, right? So it's like yes. these are 
independent consultants that are, you know, um, looking to build their kind of like little empires, right, within the savvy model, like what has inspired you the most by seeing some of these women become independent and, you know, making money on their own and, you know, having – I mean, it is a wonderful product line. They're beautiful clothing. And we'll have a link to the website on our show page, so that will be good. Great. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's, just, you, it's it's great to see it's great to see it impacting so many people and creating that independence. You know, that's the thing that so many of these women don't don't have is they don't have any financial independence and they're kind of locked mm-hmm. into their schedule and this this allows them to do it almost under any circumstances. And the product is so good that it's going to have very lo- a very long life. And so once they start um, you know, then they can keep growing it. And as I said, there's a men's line going to be coming out in the next few months, and that'll just double the you know available market. Um, and you know, Lululemon has been very successful on both the men's and the women's side. So I think that Savvy will be too. And so um, there's a you know huge huge opportunity. And on top of that, they're going to be going international. They're going to start with Mexico and Canada. And so you know, a lot of people who are here know people in Mexico and Canada. And so that'll be another huge growth opportunity as well. So it's just really fun to see people taking charge of their own lives and creating income for themselves. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, and I didn't know there was a men's line coming out, so that's pretty exciting. So yeah, yeah. dudes do yeah. yoga too, right? <laughs> they do and they, and they work out and, you know, they wear, they, you know, they wear right. it almost as much as women do. So I think it'll I think it'll be hugely successful. I mean the Lululemon men's line has been gigantically successful. So there's no That's reason to think cool. that savvy won't be also. That's awesome. All right, I love it. And and you know, are most of the women that get involved in savvy? I mean, or not women get involved, but the most of the individuals that get involved in savvy, they're women, right? So when the men's line comes out, will you yes. do, do you guys anticipate that you'll see more men getting involved in in savvy business opportunities? I think it's possible, but I, I still think it'll be heavily dominated by women because the women will buy the, 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 the men, buy the clothes for the men in their lives. So whether it's their husband or boyfriend or brother or brother-in-law, whatever, you know, just like women buy men workout clothes now, they'll still do that. I still think it'll be mostly women that are, mm-hmm. you know, work, doing the savvy opportunity, but, but now they'll be buying it for the men in their lives. Love it. Love it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears a little bit because I'm gonna ask you a powerful question because I know you're. Okay. I just think I need to hear your answer to this, so be ready for it. But you know, okay, you I'm doing ready. so much. <laughs> yeah, you had to be be ready. Is you do so much in the way of philanthropy, and I'm just really curious for you. At the heart of everything you do, Ian, what kind of a legacy are you looking to make? Oh, um, you know, I'm not really too concerned about what the legacy is. Uh, what I really want to do is create something that's that's ongoing and self-sustaining, uh, and keep spreading and helping as many people as possible. And what's great about the savvy model is, of course, each person is incentivized to help as many people as they can, because the more people they help, they get more money as well. So it's it it fits with the idea of trying to help as many people as possible. And I hope that it can just keep growing and growing over many, many, many years. I love that. I love that. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I really I look at the 
philanthropy and just you at the heart of who you are, I wish we could replicate and duplicate more people like you. You know what I mean? Just oh, because it is, it's about sweet. doing good. Well, it is, and that, that's Thank a you. legacy there. So you've been a huge impact to CWI, which I would love to chat with you more about. But for our listeners, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit more about savvy and just say, you know, if, if a woman, let's talk about the type of woman that gets involved in savvy. Like for you, what have you seen as the kind of typical individual woman that says, you know what, this is going to be good for me. And number two, I can be successful at it. Do you have any thoughts on like the type of, you know, women that really do well in savvy or is it any woman? I'm just curious your thoughts. Yeah. No, I think there are some common characteristics. I mean, one is the desire to create some uh, recurring revenue, you know, to have a little bit more income coming in. So that's one. Number mm-hmm. two is that they need to like the clothes, obviously. They have to look at them and like them um, so that, that, that what they're telling their friends and colleagues and other people is honest and sincere. And then have a little bit of time. You know, you don't need much more than an hour a day. An hour a day, you can build a very successful business. But I think you have to be ready to put in at least one hour every day and, and literally every day. It's something that you need to keep at it and keep doing it and it builds upon itself. So I would say those are the three critical things that increase the chances of success. Because everybody, you know, every, every woman or every man knows, you know, five or ten people who are working out or wearing these kind of clothes every day. You know, so it's not difficult right. to find a few people to start with. And because the clothes are so good, everyone responds really well. And because they're cheaper than Lulu or, or some of the other top brands, it's very natural for people to say, yeah, I'll try it and see how it feels, you know. It's, it sells itself. That's the thing. It's a very easy – it's not no hard-pressure sales tactics or not, no quotas, no minimums. You know, it's very, very low-key, and it just, it just sells itself very easy to do that my my mother the calls Japs them do it yummy. every day <laughs> yeah yeah well, they are they, yeah. they're very well, they're very yummy they're very clothes. creative and they're coming out with new several new designs every single week every friday the company comes out with four or five or six brand new designs and so it's very it's not stayed it's not doesn't you know it continues to evolve uh, and now, of course, it's much more than just athletic leisure. Now they have uh, sweaters and coats and dresses and shorts and sweatshirts and sweatpants and, all, you know, a much, much broader line now. So, you know, uh, I'm sure your link, you know, your your organization's link will be made available and people can see, you know, everything on there. Very cool. Very cool. You know, the shifting of our last few minutes, I want to talk a little bit about men being champions of women's advancement. And, you know, when you think about you and what you're doing to support women and, and, you know, children, I think it's amazing. And sometimes people kind of stop and go, you know, can men be supportive of women's advancement? And we obviously think so in CWI because that's why we recognize you as a catalyst for change award, you know, and really being that catalyst to help advance women. I just talk a little bit about it. And what do you think, from your opinion, especially being in hedge funds and, you know, the financial markets and your background in your kind of like, I won't won't say corporate career because you've owned your own business and had your own firm, but, you know, what do you think more women can, excuse me, oh my God, it's Monday morning. 
what do you think more mm-hmm. men can do to be better, you know, better champions of women's advancement? I mean, first of all, how can they? And then two, it's like, what would you suggest, you know, to more men out there, if you don't mind? Right. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, they definitely can, and there's tremendous amount of opportunities, especially in the post-COVID world, you know, to help so many different groups. It's really a matter of having the desire and the interest and the time, right? I mean, the big, the big challenge is probably the time. There's probably a lot of people who would like to help but just don't have the time to do it because they've got to, you know, support themselves. But if, if there is the interest, you know, it's very, very easy to reach out. You know, you just plug something into Google and say, you know, what are the top 10 women's organizations in my area? Or the or or anything or whatever topic it is of interest. It's a matter of time and desire, you know. Because once you have that, getting actually involved is very easy to do. You just have to find things that resonate with what you're trying to achieve, you know. So I think mm-hmm. it is, if the, if the interest and the time is there, then it's a very easy thing to do. That's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. How do you, you know, when you look at the next year or two years as we come out of COVID, it's like, how do you, I mean, what's next for you? Like, how do you see the next couple of years for yourself, if you don't mind sharing? Because, you know, we are coming out of COVID. We're like, oh, the world looks different. What's what's the next few years for you, Ian? Yeah, well, thankfully, you know, I was able to continue working with those two children's organizations and doing all the savvy work. In fact, the COVID thing in some ways helped the savvy effort because people were able to do it from home and because people Mm. were staying at home so much more, they were wearing athletic leisure clothing even more. Um, So we're just going to stay the course. You know, I'm going to continue to support those two children's organizations. And actually there's a third, the new children's museum in San Diego that I'm very involved with as well and savvy and just keep doing it and keep trying to grow the number of people that are involved. So, I'm just going to stay the course and continue to try to make a difference in as many people's lives as possible. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And I think today you are, you are, we are on our show today with you in New York and I'm in San Diego. Is that correct? Actually, you know what? I'm actually in San Diego. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, I did not know that. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Yeah, okay. Well, look I'm at you. In San Diego, but I'm going back to New York. Oh my God. Of course you are. You're, you just cracked me up. All right. I'm going to ask you one big last question. And that is, you know, leave our audience and our listening audience with something that's inspirational or motivational or something that you feel can empower those that are listening to our show. What do you got for us, Ian? And we're going to wrap up the show. Well, I think, I think every day is a new opportunity to make the changes that you want to make in your life. So if you haven't been philanthropic up until now and you want to be, you can be right today. And if you want to empower your life and change your life and make your life better, today is the day to start. And Savvy is a great way to do it. There's many other opportunities as well out there, I'm sure. But, you know, Seize the day. You know, if there's one thing we learned from COVID is that life is super short and that every day matters. So, you know, let's like do something today that will make you feel good about what you're doing. Oof. All right. We're going to drop the mic on that one. But Ian, thank you for being our leading man today on Women Lead Radio. (laughs) I know you're doing so, so good out there. 
And to our listeners, you know, thank you for being loyal to Women Lead Radio, but go out, do something good today, make it a habit, make it consistent, be philanthropic. I love all the stuff you said, Ian. Um, uh, to all of our That's listeners, true. you know, we are a international show. We're here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific time, and we are quickly growing to a daily show, which I'm very excited about. So it's Monday. Everyone out there, have a wonderful week. Please take advice on some of the suggestions that Ian gave, and we will see you again on the next Women Lead Radio Show. Go there for and be philanthropic. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where life-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.